holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Would you stand as we begin? morning and welcome to First Baptist Church Sun City West. I hope you're doing well today. It is a beautiful day outside and it is going to be a continued beautiful day right here as we worship Almighty God. I would ask you if you would if you this is the very first time that you have been here to take that guest card that's in the pew in front of you and just fill it out and if you would just put it in one of the offering boxes as you leave today because we'd like to acknowledge your being with us this next week. You'll notice this morning that I have a little lower voice and I'm not going to sing for you. <laughs> I do have a sinus infection. Um, I tested negative for COVID, so I want you to just be very, very comfortable with that uh, yesterday. But uh, 
uh, it does make my voice lower and potentially a cough, so we're going to do everything we can not to do that. Because today, everything that we're doing is centered around worship. In just a few moments, we're going to be taking uh, the Lord's Supper and this memorial table that uh, we will enjoy is such an important element of worship that we really need to take the opportunity and the time to prepare ourselves and to ask God to speak directly to us to make sure that we are ready and prepared because when we worship God we should expect an encounter with him and experience him well that is worship so if you would join me in prayer We'd like to be able to take the opportunity right now to prepare ourselves because after this next song, we're going to enjoy and remember and participate and engage in what Jesus Christ did in his suffering and his celebration of the resurrection that changed all of our lives. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the time and the opportunity that you've given us to come today. We are excited about the opportunities because we get to give you, the creator of all, our undivided praise and worship. And Father, we are only able to do that because of what you, through your son Jesus, have already done. We have the capability of loving one another and loving you because you first loved us even in the midst of our sins. And so, Father, I pray that we will prepare ourselves for this morning of worship, for the taking of the elements, the songs that we sing, the message that we hear, and that, Father, this morning would be not just a routine, but it would be an experience with you. So move everything else out of our minds and our hearts. And God, let us worship you with the intense understanding that we will experience your presence. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, if I can get my reading glasses on, that'll be even better. The Apostle Paul said, For I received from the Lord <coughs> what I passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus Christ, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in the blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. I think the idea of remembrance is important. In our church family, over the years in January, we would have a service of remembrance, if you remember for those that have passed on in the previous year to remember their lives, their impact. Jesus wants us to remember what he did. And what did he do? He gave everything. The one who was sinless, no sin at all, he left the glories of heaven and he came to this darkened place frankly and he did good works performed miracles he he taught truth absolute truth and then they arrested him and they took him and they beat him and then they nailed him on the cross at Calvary. Through the whole process, his focus was on others. Father, do not hold this against them because they do not know what they're doing. And that's an amazing type of love. It's not anything that we deserved because what we deserved was justice and he gave us unconditional love. And so on the cross that we just sing about, he gave his life and they took him and put him in a tomb and three days later as he promised and it was spoken of him in prophecy the grave was opened and Jesus is alive and he imparts to his believers those followers as he ascends to heaven I want you to do this in remembrance of me because I want you to understand the transformation that takes place in our lives 
when Jesus comes in and takes our sins away that we couldn't work off no matter how hard we tried. But because of his unconditional love, he looked at us and gave himself. But we have to choose to say, yes, I want Christ. And for the believers, he said, listen, I want you to keep remembering this. Don't let it grow cold or routine. I want the embers to rise up like a bonfire so that you will always be focused on me and why I left you here until the time for you to go home. And that is to minister to one another and to minister to those who were lost just the same way that Jesus ministered to us in the midst of our lostness. Remember. Frank, I wonder if you wouldn't mind praying, asking God to use these elements, both the bread and the juice, as we look at the symbolic meaning of the sacrifice of Christ and make it meaningful in our lives. Will you pray with me? Our Father, as we uh, approach your table this morning, we just thank you, Lord, for being here with us. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to serve you. So, Father, as we take these elements, we just ask you to let us be worthy. Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us, for dying on the cross, rose again, so may we may we be with you. So, Father, we ask you now to bless each one that's here, that we take these elements, that we may be worthy to do this. Lord, we love you and we thank you. For I say this in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll notice that as you receive the plates, that the bread is in the cup. So don't look at it like there's no juice in here. So if you would.
Jesus said, take, eat, this is my body. It wasn't only the body that they beat, but the drops of blood. And not just a few drops, but the very life flow of blood out of his body. And Jesus, he wanted us to make sure that we took the juice. And that we remembered that it was the total giving of his blood. So as the juice is being passed out, please prepare yourself for the receiving and the taking and the drinking of the juice.
Jesus <coughs> said, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the remission or the forgiveness of sins. But I tell you the truth, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until the time I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. A promise. A promise of everlasting life for everyone who would choose Christ and the abundant life here for everyone who would follow him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the time and the opportunity that we've had to be engaged in this element of worship, which is so important. Father, not because of the bread and the juice, for their symbols, but Father, the meaning behind them, that your Son gave everything. And it's a challenge for us to strive to put everything else below our obedience to you. You've empowered us, every single one who has given their life to Christ with the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. And Father, he wants to encourage, to instruct, to help. And I pray that God, we will let him. and Help us to live the abundant life and to fulfill the great commission. All the while looking forward to the time that we will drink this anew with you in our Father's kingdom. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's continue our time of worship. For the scripture says, the scripture tells us that after they had finished the Lord's Supper, they sang a hymn and they went out from there.
What a beautiful song. If you look up on the screen or take your scriptures, a couple of passages I want to look at. John chapter 4 and Psalm 122. This morning we asked the questions, what is worship? And we've taken the opportunity to provide some different elements that contribute to worship. In John chapter 4, verse, starting with verse 19, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. It's a pretty powerful statement by Jesus it says the physical place where we worship is not necessarily the most critical. Worship runs deeper than a building or a location. Look over at Psalm 122 and verse 1. David said, I, uh, David said, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. On Facebook, uh, periodically, I will see friends of mine that are pastors, and uh, they'll have this big exclamation. It says, man, God really showed up at church on Sunday. And I know what they mean by that. But the fact is that God is always here. It's really the response, what we as the people of God, and hearing what God has to say to us on a particular day, when we worship corporately in that aspect, that is critical. Um, real worship, Jesus says, is worshiping in truth and spirit. Spirit and truth. The psalmist, we see, is excited. He's excited because they're going to worship. Now, let me ask the questions. Is singing worship? Well, let me tell you, singing can stir the emotions that few other things can, but it is not worship. It is the voice of worship. So is preaching worship? You didn't say yes on that one. I caught that. <laughs> no, preaching is the proclamation of the truth of God, and it encourages and it instructs, but it's not worship. It is an aid to worship. Worship is God-directed, and therefore an awareness of His being and a recognition of His presence underlie both private and corporate worship. You see, without a personal, first-hand experience of God, there is no true worship by the individual. Worship itself is a personal relationship with Him. And sometimes 
that's why we come to a corporate time like this and some Sundays it's really man that service really spoke to me and other times it's like eh, just didn't really get everything and yet God was here the entire time our connection with God when we come to worship with the different voices and the different aids that we have to help us to bring an atmosphere and to bring about truth and to bring about that opportunity to connect with God is vital and important. If we don't have that personal relationship, if we don't experience God in the midst of worship, then we haven't worshiped. We've gone through routines, rituals. It must be meaningful. Listen, David said, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. His feelings suggest some very important things that are important for each of us concerning worship. First, worship begins with a right attitude, a hunger. He says in the latter part of that verse, of verse 1, let us go to the house of the Lord. Why? Why should they go to the house of the Lord? You see, there was a compelling hunger for communication with God. Blaise Pascal was a French mathematician, physicist, inventor, philosopher, writer, author, and theologian in the mid-17th century. Pascal became known for his embracing a teaching of doctrine that taught that a person's experience with God comes through the heart rather than through reason or logic. He's quoted as saying, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only God the Creator made known through Jesus Christ. And so all of a sudden, we begin to realize intellectually and cognitively, yes, we need to know as much as we can, but uh, the worship of God and our relationship with Him, it comes through the heart, which is the seat of emotions. No wonder the inner cry in our heart makes us want to be in God's presence. If there is a God-shaped vacuum in our heart, in our emotional, in our essence of our internal being, then nothing is going to satisfy. It's not our spouse. It's not our kids or our grandkids. It's not our work. No matter what we go out and try to find in life to meet that particular need we will never find unless we connect with God in a personal way you see that inner cry for God's presence worship is my response to that cry my desire to to connect with Almighty God the one who created everything that's who I want to connect with I love the fellowship, and I love the singing, and obviously I love the preaching, but let me tell you, it's the connection with Almighty God that is so vital. The psalmist, Psalm 42, 1 said, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. He didn't say that my soul pants for a better job. Or something else that might fill something in our in our lives that might be a need whether it be financial or material he says 
A deer, if he's going to survive, he looks, he desires that water, which is the sustaining life. He says, the only way that my soul survives is that I have that same desire, that that's what I want. Have you ever been really, really thirsty? I mean, what's the longest time you've ever gone without taking, uh, taking some water? There have been times that, that uh, in years gone by that my, I would be so dry, I couldn't even hardly get that water in because everything was so dry. And most of you, being from Arizona or around here, you probably understand that. You know, there's this drive. If we don't have our connection with God, if we don't have that worship time with God, we can't satisfy that cry that is within us. It is possible to shut God out of, of our lives in such a way as to lose that hunger. And what a tragedy if we were to lose the hunger to actually connect with God, not just the intellectual, not just the learning part, but actually the relationship with him, that we don't hear what he's saying to us, even as believers. That's what Paul was warning about in 1 Thessalonians 5.19 when he says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. What is he saying to the church at Thessalonica? He's saying, let me tell you what, it is possible for the church of the living God to quench the Spirit. He was saying, don't, don't say or do anything that would cause you to ignore or to become callous to the hunger that we have to worship God and to connect with Him. Sometimes believers quench the, the hunger and they continue to come to church. They do it out of a sense of duty or out of a sense of routine. They come, but they just, they're just not in sync with where God is. I believe that it's better than not going, but let me tell you, it is not worship just to show up here on a Sunday morning and just to be, enjoy the fellowship. It is deeper than that. Just going through the motions does not connect a person with the Almighty God. Going out of a sense of duty, let me tell you, you're missing the joy of worship. You're missing that personal love relationship with the father that he so wants and as believers we've experienced that but if our our mind is some other direction if we don't come prepared to connect with him or individually in our own prayer life to connect with him then that hunger is it taken care of and that cry continues and we wonder what's happened he wants us to worship him he he wants us to connect with him to have an encounter remember worship begins with the right attitude i'm coming today because i want to worship god i'm coming in my personal devotion time because i'm going to meet god that's my sole purpose to do this secondly worship is an individual experience the psalmist in the first part of 122 and verse 1 says i rejoiced we know that it includes others but mostly he says i rejoiced you know, worship is something that happens in me. It's an inner experience of fellowship with God. It's also something that happens to me because it lifts me above the cares and the fears of this world. When I'm in God's presence and I'm experiencing God, you know what? There is nothing else around me. All the concerns that I have, they are not in my mind at that time. I'm meeting the Creator 
of everything. Last week I talked about Polycarp and his sacrifice. Polycarp was the bishop of Smyrna in A.D. 155. The Romans burned him at the stake because he wouldn't recant Christ. He cried out, according to the eyewitnesses, when he, the flames were engulfing him. He cried out and he said, I see heaven open and the angels descending and ascending. Even in the midst of his death, that bishop of Smyrna, he was worshiping God. Can you imagine being engulfed with flames and yet you're worshiping God? God is showing you and you have an experience with him in the midst of the most tragic, difficult time. Kind of what happened to, to Stephen, if you remember, in Acts chapter 7, verse 56. He said, look, as they're stoning him to death, I see heaven opening and the Son of Man standing by the right hand of God. In the midst of his dying, Stephen worshipped. He said, this is what I see. It wasn't what was going on around him. It's what he experienced. It was a time of worship. So worship begins with the right attitude. It's an individual experience. And third, worship includes great joy. He said, I rejoiced. You know, the words have this idea or communicate great anticipation. Israel expected something wonderful to take place as they worshiped, and it seems like that God always provided that because they were prepared. What he's saying here is that there's a joy. There's a joy when we come and we have the opportunity to meet with the Creator. You know, when I open my heart to God in worship, there is great joy. The cares of the world just seem to, to melt away. Doesn't mean they're gone. But as soon as I step outside of that box of my worship, they're going to still be there, and I'm going to have to confront them. But man, I'm empowered. I'm empowered with joy. I'm empowered with excitement because I know that my time with God prepared me for the spiritual battle that takes place. When I was in, uh, at Southwestern Seminary, my first year, I started a, a Thursday night prayer meeting in my room. Um, 9.30 every Thursday night. 9.30 every Thursday night, I told people about it. I was single. A bunch of the single guys obviously came around, and, and so we would all get in the room there, and they were from all over the world. You had, you had guys there from the, the Philippines, uh, from, uh, from Asia, from Africa. And we sat around, and we prayed together. And they prayed in their own language. And then we worshiped and sang. We tell you, every Thursday night, it was a powerful worship experience. We, we met God there. We experienced him. Years later, uh, I met somebody who uh, who's told me about a prayer meeting on Thursday nights at 9.30. He said it had been going on for years. I said, oh, I remember that well. I started that. <laughs> it's continued through the years. I don't know about today, but as of that time, he was part of that. This is what I'm talking about when we talk about, when we talk about joy. When we encounter God 
and we worship, it brings joy in our hearts no matter what country we're from, or no matter what culture we're a part of, no matter what socioeconomic level we are, no matter what we did in the past or what God has for us in the future, we worship. Let me tell you this. This kind of contact gives me courage and it gives me boldness to face the spiritual warfare and obstacles that we face every single day. Whether we know it or not, there is a spiritual warfare. Things that are unseen that happen, but it is the clash, the Scripture says. And how do we prepare ourselves? How do we not be defeated when it seems like in the things that we physically can see, everything is going wrong? Well, there's that spiritual battle taking place. And when we worship God, He empowers us with joy. And He brings with us tools, resources to overcome any of those kinds of battles or obstacles. And I promise you this, spiritual warfare aside, just the challenges that life is going to throw at us, just the normal things that happen, the health crises, the financial crises, the world, the national crises, you, you name it, in our families, our kids and our grandkids. I mean, every step along the way, it is a complicated process. It is hard. And so how do we do it? We do it because God empowers us. How does God empower us? Is when we worship with him. He brings joy to us and strength to every single day we can get back out there and accomplish what God wants us to. I don't know really how people face uncertainties and challenges in life without the ability to worship and connect with God, the Creator. But I know this, I love the words to this song, my Lord is so real, so real to me. My Lord is real, so real to me. My soul demands reality, and that's why my Lord is so real to me. He's real. He's not a myth. When we go to prayer, or when we come to worship, it's not this just feeling that's out there. He is real and alive. And if you have him as your Savior, he lives inside of you. And he so wants that fellowship and wants that communication, and he wants to give you that joy. Worship will accomplish that. Fourth, worship brings peace, that inner peace that the world can't give. Again, the psalmist said, I rejoice. These words indicate a feeling of well-being. The joy of worship brings an inner peace that drives out the fear and the worry and the, the cares of this day. When we go to God in worship, he brings us an inner peace, and we would pray that that inner peace would <clears throat> continue on throughout the rest of the week or until that time we encounter and we worship him again. How in the world can I be upset about things when I'm in contact with the creator of the universe? the creator of the universe, who spoke everything into existence out of nothing. He promises he'll see us through. Not that life will be easy, but he will empower us to move forward. We need to stay in contact with him. You see, he is all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's everywhere at the same time. He can be trusted to act on our best interest. He wants our best interest more than we do. I read an article recently from a missionary who was ministering to uh, some Christians 
mostly women and children, who were in dire danger from extreme Islamic terrorists. And she sat there on the Sunday that, that they worshipped, and they were in this little, little church. And here they were singing with joy. They had their hands raised, and, and uh, in their culture, they were, they were dancing with the Lord. The kids were enjoying that time frame. They, they were worshiping God, even though that they knew that at any time their lives might be taken because they were believers in Jesus, they had this inner peace that continued to propel them to worship. Less than two weeks later, all of those that had been in worship on that Sunday were killed. But you see, they had an inner peace. They wanted to connect with God. Whatever lifespan that they had, they wanted to connect with him. They had that peace that it was okay. It was going to be all right. Now, I don't think that they were, they were rushing to get to heaven. That's not what I'm saying. But what they had was, if something does happen, I have an inner peace. They, that's what worship does for us. The inner joy brings inner peace, which renews our faith and our courage to face the challenges before us. Is there anything too big for God? It's an age-old question. Again, I'm going to go back and remind you that he is in control of everything. The one who is the creator and we as the created beings, he will encourage us, he will come to our aid, he will inspire us, he will strengthen us, even when we're facing death right in the eye. That's who he is. Our time of worship allows us to mature in our faith, to grow deeper in our faith, to become more intimate with our Savior so that his heartbeat is our heartbeat. And let me tell you, that's worship. Because then you begin to realize, I'm here for a particular purpose. Whether it's a young age or whether it's an old age, doesn't matter. I'm here for a particular purpose. And as long as I have that focus of the particular purpose, then God is going to see me through it in the here as well as the hereafter. Last, I want to tell you about worship that leads to ministry. In Psalm 122, he says, I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go. <laughs> the words show interest and concern for others. They invited him. Let's go. You know, there's something about worshiping God that makes people want to be together, to fellowship together, to, to love one another, to meet the needs that we have with each other within our body of Christ. It has this idea that, that when we come together and we worship God, that like he reached out to us, we want to be in his image, reaching out to others, meeting the needs of people wherever they are. That's the idea. We need to be there. We need to encourage others to be there too in the times of joy and worship and the times of sadness and sorrow and difficulty. He wants us to be there. When God and I meet in worship, it causes me to want to share the most amazing things that he has spoken to me about, the, the thrilling moments of life with each other. We just want to share it. We want to tell people about it. I'll never forget the night that our daughter and uh, Laura and 
her husband Derek sat down with us in March of 2020. And I sat down with the news that we were going to have a grandchild. You know, they couldn't wait to share that with us. <laughs> we were shocked, <laughs> and our hearts were full of joy. But they wanted to share. We have a good relationship. I wanted to share with people everywhere I could. Why is that? Because it was exciting. I wanted to reach out. I wanted to make somebody's day like they had made my day. When we worship God, we come to a place where we, we know and we understand that when we have a, an interaction with God and we have met with Him, And I'm thinking just off the top of my head of, of Moses. When he came down off of the mountain and his, his face was ablaze. He met with God. Our faces might not be ablaze, but it's special when we worship him. Not just with songs and preaching and other elements. Those are wonderful aids. Not just in this building, but wherever we gather together or when we're by ourselves. Worship is so important. Everything else we're commanded to do, we're encouraged to do, they're great. But the most important thing is to meet God. And let me tell you, worship leads to real renewal. Real renewal in our lives, real renewal in a church's life. And I'll tell you this. That's what I desire. This morning, I wish I could have gotten a lot more excited, but I know if I had gotten more excited, I'd be coughing all over the place. But worship is such a, it's a vital part of what we do. And I want you to take a thought. As we look at this idea of worship, the aids that we have, like the Lord's Supper, beautiful instrumental music the congregational singing in the choir and the preaching the fellowship time and the greeting all of those elements that bring us together those are here for a particular purpose all of those are put together to try to create an atmosphere an atmosphere that says listen the most important thing is to meet God. That's why Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross, was raised from the dead, as we've already spoken. He did that because he wanted to remove any barriers so that once again we could have fellowship with the one who created us. And so my encouragement to you is to reflect upon your own habits in your personal time of devotion and corporately as the body of Christ. Let's make sure we put all things in perspective and we go to those times that are designated for worship or the spontaneous times that we can have anywhere, in any place, by ourselves or with two or three 
that we have prepared ourselves to meet the holy God. The one who loves us unconditionally. The one that has his arms outstretched for you. And we have the privilege as well as the responsibility to meet him. So please don't take it for granted. Take these very special times. Because I'll tell you what, if you go in the book of Revelation, when we all get to heaven, guess what we're going to be doing? We're going to be kneeling down, and we're going to be worshiping Jesus. The scripture is really clear about that. Prepare yourselves, and let's worship him. Father, in this time of invitation, we just specifically ask you to help us the scripture has been very clear and father we understand that you are the the one who directs worship and i pray that today whatever is in our life and our heart that might be an obstacle to our worshiping personally that god you would help us to see it and move it aside and father for each one of us to prepare for our individual as well as our corporate times of getting together to give you honor and praise and glory and father that will be an experience with you and your presence and we leave those encounters father with joy with inner peace with the idea of ministry to others and father we will have met with you the one whatever decisions need to be made today god i pray you'll impress it upon the hearts of those who are here we pray these things in jesus name and i ask you to stand we'll have our invitation as god leads you to make any kind of decision you come and make that or you can make it right where you are you come seated i would appreciate that next sunday i begin a uh, a new sermon series it's about 10 weeks long on uh, uh, the psalms of the heart in challenging times 
I preached uh, about 10, 10 sermons last fall on the Psalms, and uh, I'm going to do that again as we move on through the, uh, a good number of Psalms during this time frame. So I'd encourage you to prepare yourself as you look, and uh, later, I think it's later this week, we'll publish where those are coming from so you can take some time to look and, and read through the Scriptures. Um, it'll be a special time. Uh, the only time that I won't be doing that, to my knowledge, is the 19th of September when we have an international missionary who is here to speak to us, and we're looking forward to, uh, to her. She actually is finishing her training uh, uh, to go back out into the mission field, but this time into a country that we can't name, and it's a very dangerous area. Uh, so we can't give you her real name. <laughs> we, uh, we can't live stream uh, on, uh, on that Sunday. We'll have a recorded sermon and a service on our website. Uh, but we can at least hear what she has to say, and it'll be riveting. So I hope that you will be here for the 19th. And also, uh, Nancy, I think that we have two Bible studies launching. Mm -hmm. There's a whole lot of stuff coming up, right? I'll let you take care of it. Let me draw your attention to the back of the bulletin. You will see this next week. There are a lot of neat opportunities for you to serve and minister, starting with Tuesday morning. By the way, the office is closed tomorrow, observance of Labor Day, but on Tuesday morning at 8 o'clock, men, men's breakfast is resuming, and the guest speaker will be Dean Finley. But you need to sign up today if you haven't already done so, so that there will be sufficient food for you when you come. On Wednesday at 4 p.m., Partners on Mission, we will have a guest speaker, Pastor Bryson Isom from Relentless Church, one of our ministry partners will be speaking, but again, we need you to sign up today if you are planning to come, especially because the office is closed tomorrow. It's important that you let us know today that you are planning to come. Then on Thursday at uh, 10 o'clock, both Bible studies for women and for men will be here in their building. Dr. Kennedy will begin one for men, Pathways for Men, and then the ladies will be studying. So this is what joy means, a study of Philippians. That will be by Sharon LaRose and Trudy Williamson. So lots of opportunities for you to plug in. And then Thursday afternoon at 2 o'clock for those single women, single-only sisters, you will have opportunity to make some beautiful bracelets and spend some time in fellowship and enjoying each other's company. Next week, you'll see there are also some other things kicking off. Weekly prayer meeting beginning Tuesday, September 14th at 1045, as well as new Page Turner's book study group. So again, we don't expect you to be involved in everything if you are, share your vitamins with the rest of us. But we do encourage you to plug into those things that are of most interest and benefit to you and that you feel like you can contribute to. So let's stand as we have our closing prayer. Gail Coffey, one of our deacons, is going to come and lead us in that closing prayer. Please pray with me. Most gracious Heavenly Father, what a glorious day you've provided for us. Lord, we're just so thankful for your spirit of worship that has been here and how you live in each of our lives. I just pray, Lord, that you that this inner peace that you have given us and the just the spirit of worship 
that will go with us this week. And Lord, I just pray that we will leave this place with a deep longing to know you more and to share you with others. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you.